When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. On SEN, the Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Yeah, what a day to be alive. Good morning to you and happy Easter to everyone. A massive day of footy coming up. Looking forward to getting stuck into that double header. We're actually going to chat to Gold Coast GM head of football, John Haynes, is going to join us. They take on the Crows. 10 to 8 Melbourne time at Adelaide Oval tonight. And, of course, the big Friday, Good Friday game between the Kangaroos and the Bulldogs. We'll get your thoughts on that one. I'd love to hear from the Carlton fans on how you see selection going when those teams are released today, huge game for the Blues this weekend. We will chat about that. We'll hear from AFL Nations, Tommy Wren. He'll be calling all the action tonight. We'll also chat to the fastest man in the country. Rowan Browning's going to join us. In fact, the third fastest man in the world over 100 metres. He's punched his ticket to the Olympics in July. Looking forward to doing that. All your favourites, the quiz, great prizes to give away over and under. And your calls, your texts for temper a mattress like no other. What a game of football tonight. So let's get into the show with this. I'm not sure there is anything better in football. Kicking a goal after the siren to win it. I was always jealous of those that were lucky enough to achieve that unbelievable feat. And what a performance it was from the under-fire Brisbane Lions and a massive win for those of us that believe in the footy gods. Zach Bailey should have won it for the Lions against the Cats last week when he caught Mark Blixarves in stone-cold tackling the golf square with under a minute to go. The umpire froze, Geelong won, and the AFL held a media conference apologising for the error the following day. Just six days later... Bailey is coolly lining up after the siren to salvage his team's season. And the footy gods made sure that the ball did not deviate off Bailey's boot and Brisbane's season is still alive. But let's talk about Collingwood. It can't be underestimated what a devastating loss that was for the Pies. So many factors were in their favour. The home ground advantage had been flipped the opposition had been thrust into COVID chaos and forced to live out of a suitcase for over a week, and they still don't know when they're going home. The Lions didn't have a Ruckman. The final hit-out tally, 63-4. to 63-4. to four. Stats gurus out there, there must be some of you, and it's, I'm, I'm sure it's already been done and someone's crunched the numbers. Is that the lowest hit-out tally ever in a game of football? Four. 63-4. to four. As expected, Brody Grundy had his way with the undersized Tom Fullerton, but it still wasn't enough. And the, and debate, the debate about Grundy's hit-out dominance since the 2019 prelim final against GWS won't 
go away. Alarmingly, Collingwood and Grundy lost the all-important centre bounce numbers 13 to 11, and the centre bounce goals 2 to 0. Collingwood did not kick a centre bounce goal despite the dominance last night. It was a terrible loss for Nathan Buckley. His pies were 25 points up in the second quarter. They led by as much as 16 in the last when Josh Dacos slotted one and his famous dad, Peter, was jubilant in the stands. Collingwood led for 117 of the 120 minutes last night. Still side bottom had possession of the ball on centre wing with just 40 seconds left and the pies are up by five. It's almost impossible to lose from this position. Sidebottom's kick was too central and Brisbane rebounded from defensive 50. Chris Mayne fell over on centre wing and Daniel Rich found Bailey inside 50. Collingwood lost the unlosable. They should have been 2-1 and one with games against the under-fire Giants, West Coast, the hapless Bombers, the Suns and probable wooden spooners North Melbourne. They should have been 7-2 and two and in the top four nearing the middle of the season. What was evident last night, particularly as the interchange squeeze came on late, they're a midfielder short. Dare I say it, Collingwood fans, it was an Adam Trelaw midfielder short. If Trelaw plays instead of Maine, Collingwood fans are having a happy Easter. one 736 736. What a game. What a missed opportunity for Buckley and the Magpies. I'd love for you to join in the show with me this morning. Lines are open for the first hour. In fact, right through until 12 o'clock. Jump on. Join in with us this morning. This is the Captain's Run and you know the number. I'm not sure there is anything better in football than a player kicking the goal to win it after the siren. And I'd love to get your thoughts on your favourite ever. We had two rippers last year. Robbie Gray's one from the boundary line. Jack Nunes the same. Two as good as you, you're ever going to see. I remember being in the crowd. I think it was in 1991. I was a big Crows supporter. Dad was the coach. Crows were playing Fitzroy on a wet night in Adelaide. And Rod Jamison got a controversial holding the ball decision after the siren, and he kicked it from outside 50 late in the game. Crows fans had gone home. They thought they had lost, and Jamison kicked it from outside 50. I'll never forget being a nine-year-old in the crowd on that night and thinking, this is what is great about football. Jared Poulton, when I was at Port Adelaide, kicked one at the SCG against Sydney. Who would have thought? Unsung hero. Um kicking a goal after the siren to win it, and Peter Berger and also some of my favourites. But what are yours? Let us know your favourite after the siren moments. Can be good, can be bad. Carlton fans will remember Stephen Kernahan's. We'll get your thoughts on that. But Jared Waitley absolutely nailed the call on AFL Nation, which you would have heard um, with SEN Stadium last night if you uh, hooked up your phone to the audio there, and here's how it went down. the siren. Holy Thursday goes to the final moment of the game. Zach Bailey directly in front. 45 out. A straight kick to win it. Bailey's put on its way. And the Lions, the nomads of the AFL, win in nothing short of heroic circumstances. 
few people firing up on the text. Hi, Kane. Cry me a river. Give some credit to the Lions. They kept trying. They kept going. As an old Fitzroy supporter, I loved it. Well, I think I did pay significant tribute to the Lions. Uh, I said, what a performance from the Lions with absolutely everything going against them. And they did hang in there and they kept their season alive under pressure. And that clutch moment from Zach Bailey was incredible. Let's go to the phones, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll find a prize for the best caller of the morning. We're going to start with John in Adelaide. You got an after the siren moment for me, Johnny. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Kane. Yeah, I reckon that one when Shirley kicked the goal oh. uh, put Port Adelaide out of the finals, <laughs> Adelaide Oval. I, I reckon that was a great kick after the siren too. Yeah, I think... That is, yeah, not not if you're a Port Adelaide fan, Johnny, but tough to beat in terms of memorable yeah, but moment. Finals uh, football, yeah, finals football. Finals footy, extra time, controversial decision. Shuey goes back. He he is clutch, and that's another topic for conversation is the most clutch players in the competition because Chris Fagan lauded how cool Zach Bailey is and how not much bothers him. Well, Luke Shuey's had some moments in his career. Uh, this one, Sam Lloyd for Richmond against the Swans at the G in 2016, says, Tony, and you are bananas, Corns. Must be tough having a chip on your shoulders, giving you don't have shoulders in all capital letters. Little man with big mouth syndrome, says Jack from Williamstown. Give us the call, Jack, if if um, you want to have your say and if you've got strong opinions, I am more than happy to debate those with you. Give me some information as to why I am bananas. If you think that wasn't a bad loss for Collingwood, I think you're the one um, that is bananas. Let's go to Ian. He wants to have a chat about a couple of Collingwood players who were relatively quiet last night. G'day to you, Ian. Uh, morning, Kano. Um, but yeah, I'll just ring up to get your opinion on uh, Joshy Thomas and uh, Will Hoskin Elliott. Um, yeah, ever since our 2018 grand final, it seems like these boys have been struggling a bit, and especially when some of the better teams are getting really quick in their forward line. Um, you know, we don't seem to be going that way, going the opposite way. Yeah, I reckon if I was uh, Collingwood, I'd be having a close look at Tyson Stengel in the mid-season draft. Let go from Adelaide. I know he's got significant issues, but he's playing Sanford footy over here and has been training. And he's a player that I reckon they can add for nothing into the forward line with some speed and some goal-kicking prowess. It is a tough position to play. It is a footballer's graveyard. And you know, I think um, Thomas and Hoskin Elliott, who had just six disposals last night, are feeling the pinch. And Hoskin Elliott making some really um, poor blues as well. Dropped an easy mark inside 50 in that last quarter last night. So I think yeah, if he plays and Trelaw plays, they win last night. There, there is no doubt about it if Trelaw plays instead of Maine. So that's the issue that Collingwood are going to have. Look, you win and everything's great. You go on, you've got weak opposition the next five weeks and you're 7-2. and two. No one's talking about Adam Trelaw. No one's talking about Jaden Stevenson. But when you look out on your feet, and you look a little bit pedestrian through the midfield, particularly as they ran out of interchanges, which was fascinating watching that on Channel 7 last night. Those questions about the speed that Trelaw and Stevenson bring um, will continue to be raised. Max is in Dandenong. Um, g'day to you, buddy. What did you make of the footy last night? Oh, happy Easter, mate. Um, and to you. Two things. Uh, thank you. Two things. There was about three or four minutes before that great goal at the end uh, by Brisbane. There was a Collingwood player missed an absolute sitter 
Um, he was only, I don't know, 40 or so out, and it just... And I'm thinking, you know, he's left the gate open. But also, if something occurred to me, if you go back to the Collingwood West Coast um, Grand Final, Collingwood just can't seem to put their opponents away in, in big games. They, they mm. just, you know, they can't put the icing on the cake. And, you know, it was like last night, poor old Pendlebury, Pendlebury, he needed a hand, and he just... There was no one. There was no... I mean, Dugowie's a great player. I'd love to have him at North. But in the crunch, they, they just... They, they can't ice the opposition. Uh, I, I don't know what it is with Collingwood. Um, yeah. Couldn't put them away. They couldn't put them away, Max, could they? And uh, 25 up in the second quarter, which is a pretty handy lead, but it's not enough now that you know, footy's going longer and, and things open up. And then Dacos kicks that goal late. That was one of the best things I've seen um, for those that were watching on TV. To see the joy on Peter Dacos celebrating in the crowd with his family was... But at that point, you thought, well, they're going to run away with this pretty comfortably. Um, Tommy Fullerton had gone off cramping. Grundy was just running all over him, having a huge influence. And you thought, well, probably cruise to a four, five, six goal victory. But the lines just hung in. And we're getting a few texts saying the same. Lindsay says, G'day, Kane. Rainer, Berry, Gardner and Big O are big outs. Youngest Lions team in a long time regards Lindsay. Well, it was a significant win for the Lions. Zero and three, you probably don't play finals. Hang in there against all odds with a tough week and do that. Was great getting some good texts on after the siren moments as well, including the one from Jordan McMahon after the sirens against Melbourne, which delivered Dusty to the Tigers, says Silvano from Greenvale. I'd be putting a statue up of McMahon instead of Dusty at the MCG. And couldn't agree more, more says Dan. Collingwood bitched, butchered the unlosable game, poor team selection and poor coaching of how to control the closing stages of a close game. I want to speak about that because I um, watched the final moments again and as a footy team during pre-season, you practice for these scenarios. A lot of clubs would call it, if you're chasing the lead, so Brisbane situation, you would call it green um, and that is where you take risks, go through the middle of the ground. If there's a stoppage on the wing like there was with 40 seconds to go, you're trying to get the ball over the back, you're trying to surge it forward and get it going. But for Collingwood to have the ball multiple times with under two minutes to go, starting from Darcy Moore from the back pocket, he didn't get far enough back off the mark. He got too close to the man on the mark. His kick was too central. Should have been long to the boundary line. Then Pendlebury did the right thing. Like, who else would you rather have the ball? Um, with about a minute to go, he was able to find the boundary line. You got a stoppage with 40 seconds to go. You got Grundy in the ruck dominating. Just needs to be in close, get all the numbers around the footy, multiple stoppages, go again, and game over. Side bottom wins it, kicks it too centrally, and Brisbane intercept it, and away they go. So no doubt there are big moments that Nathan Buckley will review, particularly, and we'll focus on the last two minutes because that was what we would do, that they should have been able to do better to milk the clock. Pies fans, I'm interested in your thoughts. How are you feeling this morning? one 736 736 Paul's on the line. G'day, Paul. I can't agree with you 100%. I'm a Western Bulldogs member, and Buckley and Collingwood squeezed Trelaw out. And, hey, you know, I believe in karma. The karma bus hit them last night, and you're 100% on the mark. Had Trelaw played, Collingwood wins. Well, bad luck. They squeezed him out, treated him with contempt. So I've got a big grin on my face. I think so. Uh, and, I, you know, he was good last week against West Coast, Adam Trelaw. He was a bit 
a bit nervous in round one, but he will get better. Uh, what he does do for your Bulldogs is allows Marcus Bontempelli to play forward, and he was a match winner last week. And the best part for Bulldogs fans is that Collingwood's paying his wage. Uh, it's an unbelievable situation. Collingwood paying Trelaw to play for a rival team in the Western Bulldogs who looks like they're going to be right up there. They look one midfielder short to me, um, and they did last night. I mean, Adams was amazing the week before, didn't have the influence that he did, and you couldn't expect him to do that. Sidebottom had plenty of the footy, but once again wasn't it as impactful. When they drop away and when Crisp isn't getting 37 like he did the week before, and that's 21 and only seven in the second half, they look a midfielder short. Um, uh, and that's going to be an issue for them. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The show is yours. Andrew is on the line. He wants to chat about the footy last night. G'day, Andrew. G'day, uh, Kane. Um, yeah, I just want to talk about the game last night. I, you know, in the clutch moments where, you know, you think we put the icing on the cake, Dacos at board 50, snaps one on his right, and it was one of the best goals I've seen in a long time. Um, in the heat of the battle, mm. but just not being able to have any composure. You know, like we haven't seen any composure since 2010 when we won a grand final. You know, there was just no, there's no support through the midfield, no, you know, no pressure. I felt the whole time last night watching the game that we were just constantly barraged with, mm. with pressure from the opposition they're elite. They're elite performers. You know, there are players out there that would, you know, give their right arm to go and play for a big four team. And time and time again, we just get the we get the players we think that are good, but we're not getting the right players that are the right fit for Collingwood to be able to take games on, win the big games. You know, we haven't seen a a good player that we've developed since Scott Pendlebury. Well, I don't know. I, 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 I think a lot of what you said is, is spot on, particularly around the pressure and the lack of composure last night. But I think Isaac Quainer is is something special. Um, and you are developing him into a very, very good player to the point where they're now trusting him to do the job on Charlie Cameron. And apart from the odd you know, bit of flair from Cameron, he touched the footy eight times. And Quainer is... Uh, he's going to be a very good player. So I, I disagree on that. I do agree with the pressure. Pressure rating last quarter last night, 194 Brisbane, 182 Collingwood. And you're right, that lack of composure at times certainly stood out from, from where I was watching, you know, 800 kilometres away on my TV. But certainly they didn't cope in big moments. And even their better players like Sidebottom late and more late made poor errors, which did allow Brisbane back into the game. We're up and running on the captain's run. It's 20 minutes past 9 o'clock. Darren is waiting. Joe Danaher last night. Bombers fans, what do you think? Certainly exciting. We'll get to Sam and Brent as always. It's the Good Friday edition of the Captain's Run, back after this short breather. On SEN, the Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Oh, lots of people lining up to have their say. Busy start to the show. We love Collingwood fans. Thoughts on last night's game? I said if Trelaw wins, sorry, if Trelaw plays, they win. And I'm also asking you for your favourite after the siren moments. This one. 
Kane, you pox-headed fool. You have no idea about football, and you can't even put out a fire. Someone's a bit grumpy at Easter, but in terms of after the siren moments, I've got this text coming through um, from an unnamed person. This must be the greatest after the siren moment ever in terms of changing the course of history. So Carlton fans, Kernahan v North Melbourne, final round of 1987, Waverley. Kernahan kicks the goal after the siren, which meant the Blues finished the season on top of the ladder and they won the grand final on the back of that kick. Perhaps that moment doesn't get enough credit and we don't speak about that moment enough. Blues fans, your memories of that, would love to hear them. Darren's in Sorrento. Um, Joe Danaher's on your radar, mate. Your thoughts? Um, Joe, yeah, just interesting. Well, first of all, um, love the game last night. It definitely changed with this new rule. My mum and her girlfriend come down. And she does a new rule lesson, of course, but she doesn't usually sit through a, another game. But they just were in, sat there and loved watching the game, uh, enjoy it thoroughly. And... Um, yeah, Danaher, just about his kicking, it's still sort of the same mm. as the Bombers. He, on the run at 50 or 60, he can just bang it and, and land it right in the square. But when he's, uh, like last night, when he's 15, 16 metres out dead in front, he still has to, he still has to snap sideways because he's not confident with his, with his drop punt. Yeah, it's going to be a frustration, isn't it? I still think they're, a, they're definitely a better team for having him there. I, I think there's one game he kicks seven or eight this year. Like he's just everything's going to work and he's going to have his way. The best thing is, and the best news for Brisbane fans, he he looks super fit and confident with the way that he's moving. He's running at full speed. He's jumping and he's launching at the footy. Thought he tried to do too much last night at times, and you could sense that his teammates were a little bit frustrated with that sort of the miracle play every time. He needs to do the team thing. Um, when he can and when he has the opportunity. But they're a better team. Hipwood's not ready to be the number one key forward. In fact, I'm not sure he will ever be ready. Um, and Danaher makes them absolutely better. Bombers fans, your thoughts on that? That one must sting a little bit. And Fantasia as well, particularly. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We're going to get to Brent, Nick, Mark and Steve on the other side of the 9.30 news headlines. Um and this one, Jason Johannesson at the SCG in 2016 was huge after the siren goal for the Dogs and helped them through to the flag. Your favourite ones, text them through. Big show coming up. Good on you, Gibbsy. Happy Friday to you as well, your legend. Let's go back to the phones. Sam is a Collingwood supporter. What'd you make of last night's performance, Sammy? Johnny O'Kane, look, uh, as a Collingwood supporter, I'm disappointed, but it's not the end of the world. Look, I thought Conor uh, were the better side on the day. Mm. And sometimes in footy that happens. And all credit must go to Brisbane. Uh, in, it was a really fighting, hard-fought win. As you alluded to, it was a win they had to have. And when we have the return bout, because we play them up in Brisbane, well, Conor yeah. have an opportunity to avenge that defeat. And that game could galvanise uh, the, the pies. And I think uh, there's some positives to come out of the game. Corn. The good, Yeah, the good news yeah. is, Sam, I think the next five weeks, very favourable. Um, and from what we've seen, you can only go on what we've seen, but the Giants, are, you know, they look they look every bit bottom four, don't they, after what we saw against Fremantle. They play them. West Coast away is going to be tough, but then it's the Bombers, the Suns, and North Melbourne. So wins there. But, gee, that was a missed opportunity. I can't get over that. Everything going your way. 
Brisbane had uh, may as well have had me in the ruck last night with all due respect to Tom Fullerton, who battled away, but he was cramping up halfway through the third quarter. Brisbane have been living there for a week. You're leading for 117 of the 120 minutes. You lead, you have the footy in your hands with 40 seconds to go, and you coughed it up. Um, tough one to swallow. Anyway, get your thoughts on that. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Or are you with Sam? It's more glass half full down at Collingwood. Brent is in Airport West. G'day to you, Brent. Hey, how are you, mate? Good, buddy. Hopefully you're, hopefully you're uh, double time and a half. So you get the hutch you giving you today, mate. Some of it goes to the Good Friday appeal. Yeah, well, I'll be sending my invoices in. Yeah, very cool. Uh, mate, quick one, we're talking about uh, kicks after the siren. Look, I know it's probably going a bit the other way, but there's probably none more famous than Malcolm Blight at, uh, at, at Arden Street when he kicked the point to, to draw the game against Hawthorne and uh, he got pushed in the back and he went back for the for the kick after the siren to win the game and he put it on the full. <laughs> uh, what year? What year was that, Brent? Oh, that was, I think that was uh, mid-70s, mate. I think that was at his peak of his, uh, of the North Peak of his powers. Then. Yeah, so, yeah, but, you, um, you get the free kick yeah. and then the umpire says, you want to take the score or you want to have it back and have another go? Of course, you would have another yeah. go um, and he but, missed everything. Yeah, Not, with, yeah. with Collingwood, mate. I reckon Trevor Hones and um, and Ned Guy have got something in common because they've left their best uh, their best team with the depth of a puddle. Um, the, 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 when when things are flying for Collingwood, they're they're the mm. greatest thing ever, ever even better than sliced bread. Mm. But let's be fair, they they have wallpapered over some massive cracks, and they need a dead set total rebuild. They 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 they're a disgrace. They're a joke. Um, disgrace is harsh. Uh, the list management has been questionable is is a nice way to put it. Uh, I agree with you on their depth. Um, you know, certainly will be exposed if they do get a few injuries. And as I said earlier, I'm strong on the fact they look absolutely at least one midfielder short. And I'm reading now that they're still up against it with their salary cap. Like Jake Nile wrote an article in The Age last week saying Collingwood are one of the clubs still, you know, really under pressure with their salary cap. I was like, gee, that, well, that's not great. All the talk has been they're going to load up for a big free agent, a Zach Merritt or someone like that, which would help to solve their midfield issues. But if they're up against it with the cap and still under pressure, then that management has been horrific of the salary cap. Um, we'll wait and see, and there's a long way to go in the season. It's early days, and if they held on last night, it'd be a different story. But the depth does look to be an issue. I agree with you on that one. Mark wants to speak about Collingwood as well. G'day, Mark. No, I reckon we've dropped Mark off. We'll get him back, no doubt about it, because he's been waiting patiently. Steve's on the line. Um, what was your favourite after the siren moment, Steve? Um, the Steve Coonerhan miss in the 1994 at the MCG against the Bombers. I was trying to think what year that was. Take, take, it, take us through it, Steve. Paint us a picture. Well, dying seconds. Dustin Flesh has done a magnificent job on him all day. He's marked about 45 out. All he had to do is score a point, and he's uh, he's he's gone right by about ten metres, mate, and out in the he's ball. Missed it all. Game he's drawn. Missed, he's missed everything. So we had the great Stephen Gurnard moment in '87, and we're getting a few texts on that one, and we're also getting a few remembering that 1994 moment. I was trying to think of the time. The goals began come look pretty small. He just had to score, and he's missed everything, and not just missed. He's missed it by a long, long way, and his head goes to his hands, and that was it. 
Let us know your favourite after the siren moments. Is it the best thing in football? I reckon it's tough to beat, um, as we saw last year with Nunes and Gray. Damien is in Richmond. Darcy Moore, mate, your thoughts on him? G'day, Kanos. How are you, buddy? Good, buddy. Um, people are talking about Darcy Moore like he's the second coming of Jesus. <laughs> Last week, he had four goals kicked on him, and it could have been six or seven if he's, uh, if Harry McKay stuck those marks. That's a 50-gamer. Last night, Danaher, 18 touches, six shots at goal, eight marks. I think he's severely overrated, my friend, and he's going to cost them more games than he, uh, than he wins them. It's a different take, um, and it's one, I think, with, with some truth to it, what you're saying, um, in terms of overrated. Look, I think everyone would love to have him in their team and, and with the way that footy is played and the aggressive nature that he is playing, it does open himself up to get a couple of goals kicked on him. He, quite last night, uh, Brisbane did a, a really good job curtailing him. He had one moment where he intercepted the ball and broke away and actually had high metres gained in that moment, but only 182 for the game, 14 possessions, and certainly wasn't at his intercepting best. But um, I'd still rather have him in my team than not. Appreciate your thoughts, though, mate. Get involved in the show. Have you say. Join in the conversation with us on this Good Friday. Roger is in Hawthorne. G'day, Rog. Good morning, sir. Very two quick points. Firstly, as soon as this business came up with Brisbane being stuck in Melbourne and the game had to be played here, the bookies backed off Collingwood. We do not play well at Marvel, but we do travel well. That's point one. Point two, all this ruck talk, unless the ruckman can actually put it down his sentiment's throat like a la Polly Farmer days, it's irrelevant. A guy's better off just punching it forward and getting momentum in that direction. Because so many of Grundy's hats, he got his hands on it, but it was a whole new contest when it hit the ground. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, Roger. I know David King spoke about it um, in breakfast this morning with Julian. Um, if you go back, and I've I've done this and shown this graphic on Footy Classified this year already, go to the last 10 Premiership Ruckman, and there are no superstars on there. They are all players that clubs have poached from other clubs, or they are good workman-like players, like a Ben McAvoy from Collingwood, albeit they sorry from Hawthorne, albeit they po- they did poach him from another club. Mostly, it's a ruckman that a team has thought, well, he's not getting an opportunity. He's the second or third ruckman at another club. Let's go and sell him a story that he will be our guy. Don't have to pay him the world. Nan Curvis at Richmond, and they come in, they compete, and they play a role. There isn't a Ruckman on there, um, probably not back until Dean Cox at West Coast, that is a superstar, future Hall of Famer in the competition that has won a premiership. And Grundy is in that conversation. That's why you would never pay him $7 million over seven years, which Collingwood have done, albeit still thought he was one of the better players on the ground last night, but it didn't equate to the win. Good point, Rog. Mark is on the line. Collingwood, Mark, your thoughts? Hey, Kane, how you going? Good, buddy. Mate, just calling regarding the Trelaw situation, and you mentioned that he was the difference. I just don't think that's really uh, relevant at the moment. I mean, you might as well say Gary Pert was the difference. Um, you know, that's old news now, and I reckon, I actually reckon it was the battle of the backs. And Darcy Moore, I felt, was a bit clunky and off his game, and I reckon that was the difference where... Harris Andrews was taking a few more marks and probably stopped two or three goals. I reckon that was a big difference in the game in the end. Yeah, well, you're right. It's it's pointless in in saying that he would be the difference, but it's a talking point. Like, you've got 
a player who had a five-year contract who was forced out of the club. The club is still paying his wage to play for an absolute contender in the Western Bulldogs, and you look a midfielder short. Of course, that is a topical uh, point of conversation. If he plays last night, they win. Um, and we're always going to judge Collingwood on, on that and how they went and the fallout from the trade period. So I absolutely think it's relevant. Is it going to change the outcome of the game? No, it's not. But it's a talking point when you've got a club paying another big club um, for the player, the other player to play for them. Um, I think it is worthwhile mention this morning. Noah is in Melbourne. What did you make of the footy last night, mate? Yeah, it was hard to see Collingwood get jumped by a point in the end. I was the gang. And just mm. watching Collingwood, the kicking inside 50 was horrendous. Mm. No marking. Our forward line looks atrocious. Will Hoskin Elliott needs to get out the team, same as Thomas. And I don't care if they bring in Ollie, Ollie Henry or anyone. And the umpires were a bit stiff the whole night to Collingwood. What do you think, Kane? Um, I think the forward line, when it doesn't function, looks poor. And they're so reliant on Jordan Ngoi to kick a bag. And when he doesn't, um, the lack of depth there is exposed. Yeah, I think Hoskin Elliott, that's been well documented, had a poor night. What was it like being there, mate? What was, did you could you watch that last moment when Zach Bailey's lining up for goal? The atmosphere was insane. My nerves could not hold it, and in the end, I cried. I burst out crying. <laughs> you cried. After, yeah, after Zach Bailey scored that goal. Um, <sighs> yeah. Uh, that's the emotion of footy, isn't it? Absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, we'll sneak in uh, Ross, who wants to speak about one of his favourite after-the-siren moments. None better than Bib Plugger, Ross. No, no, this is um, 2003, Kane. Uh, Chris Tarrant kicked playing against Adelaide. Um, and it was probably it's probably a good memory for Collingwood fans who can remember it. Um, just on last night's game, I did go as well. I do agree with your point that... Uh, yeah, there's, there's probably a lot to scratch your head about when uh, Ruckman has nearly 60 more hitouts than the opposite, or, you know, collectively one side has 60 more hitouts, but somehow yeah. manages to lose the game. Um, I think there's clearly a breakdown between midfielders and uh, the Ruckman, whoever it is, that Cox or Grundy, and what to do at stoppages. I sort of watched a lot of the stoppages, and um, I think, you know, Collingwood needs to bite the bullet, pay the soft cap, and go and employ someone. Um, as a stoppages coach, I mean, it's, it's really, um, and even a ruck coach, it's pretty bad to go to the footy every week and have to watch your side. Uh, literally, your ruckman tap it to his to his ankle um, mm. and that be considered, you know, an effective hit out. Now, I'm not criticising Grundy. I thought, you know, he uh, he battled really hard last night. He the did. other thing with him, um, give him a break by playing Darcy Cameron in the side um, because... Halfway through the last quarter, Grundy was trying his absolute guts out, but he was absolutely spent. And the reason why he was spent was because he rucked most of the game. Um, so I just think it's it's pretty imperative now that Collingwood need to go out and start playing our second ruckman, Darcy Cameron, as a second ruckman to support Grundy. Like, you know, in the NFL, they don't pay blokes $100 million over five years as a quarterback and, you know, put them in full tackle practice all the time. Um, they've got guards defending them. They've got a red shirt, so they don't tackle them at practice. I mean, we are literally driving our biggest asset into the ground. Um, can you play? Can you play Grundy, Cox, and Cameron in the same side, particularly with the faster new rules and interchange cap? I think you 
probably can um, with the interchange cap. I think Grundy would probably play 70% of the ruck. You'd probably have Cox permanently out of the square at full forward. Um, you wouldn't have him further up the ground. And you'd probably have Cameron playing 30 to probably 30 to 40% game time with 20% of the ruck and the other 20, 20% um, at centre-half forward. Uh, rotated with my check sort of as that, that sort of false nine, you know, the, I guess Cameron's all on tour, but um, you probably have the, the roaming sample that goes up and down the ground. Now, I'm not sure if Cameron's got the tank for that um, full game, but he's probably got 20% of a game in him. So I think they've got to give him a crack. I mean, the same old, same old at Collingwood is not going to work. Uh, we've seen over the last couple of years, it's time to stop picking favourites. Um, and time to either blood some kids or, or just try some different things and maybe get a, a rack coach and a stoppage just coach. That would be, that would be fantastic because as a, as a paid-up member, it's frustrating to go to footy every week and literally watch your football club destroy their biggest asset week after week. And like I'm slightly critical of Grundy sometimes. He's here at work, but what he does in terms of sheer workload can't you can't fault that and you know he is he's really going to be driven to the ground i really feel sorry for him good on you ross what do you think pies fans have you say on that darcy cameron does he need more game time and chris tarrant after the siren moment against adelaide remember ben hart slipped over and chris tarrant slotted it what a cult hero he was your favorite after the siren moments we'll get to more of your call shortly got a lot i want to talk about this morning through until 12 o'clock we'll get you involved in that right now it's 14 minutes to 10 o'clock On SEM, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Uh, plenty of feedback coming through on the text line 0433981116. That's for temper, a mattress like no other. But uh, better than a text, give us a call because we've got great prizes to give away this morning for the caller of the morning. Gold Coast GM of football, John Haynes, will join us on the other side of 10 o'clock. AFL Nations, Tommy Wren. He's in Adelaide where it's about 31 degrees here for the game between Adelaide and Gold Coast. Would love your thoughts, Carlton fans. A little bit quiet selection, not on Thursdays anymore, which is very annoying, it must be said. Um, so we don't know who they're going to pick. We know there's a, a debutante, but we don't know who's going to miss out. Would like your thoughts, Blues fans, on what is a must-win game for David T. Get involved in joining the conversation. Kane, stop saying if the Pies had Trelaw, they win last night. He's not on their list anymore. If Berry, Big O, Gardner, McStay, Rayner and Cockatoo play last night, Lions win by 10 goals, says Robbie. Not sure we can include Nakai Cockatoo. He hasn't played for about four years, but I, I get your point. Uh, Kane, if Berry, Big O, Gardner, McStay, Rayner, I'm getting a few of those, play Lions win by 10 goals. Yep. Morning, Kano. Nobody is talking about the most underrated player in the game, Jared Lyons. The bloke is a star. Enormous again last night, Mick in Brisbane. He is a star. So I said last year, um, if Jared Lyons was still at Adelaide, he'd be in their top three best players. And I stand by that. They gave him away for a burnt pie. And worse still, Gold Coast gave him away for a cold burnt pie. And now he's dominating on Thursday night football for Brisbane and has been for a long, long time. Um, Goal kicker, tough good ball user, and wins plenty of it. And that was the case again last night. That is an excellent text, Mick. Jared Lyons needs more credit than what he is getting. And the fact that Gold Coast gave him away for free is absolutely astounding. one 736 736 Jump on the phone and have your say. 
On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. 1-300-736-736. Let's go to Simon and quickly sneak him in before the 10 o'clock news. G'day, Simon. G'day, Kane. How are you, my friend? Good, buddy. I think, um, I mean, this is Chris Fagan's fifth year. I think last night was arguably his best win. We've, we've had bigger games, but, but the conditions leading into last night, I reckon that was his best win. I mean, uh, second consecutive six-day break, the uncertainty of where we're playing. Uh, they had 48 hours where they are locked in the same floor of a hotel, so they couldn't do recovery. We had six blokes that had less than 10 games out yeah. there last night. I just think it was a fantastic effort. Absolutely. And uh, was it his, where does it sit in terms of his best wins? Uh, I don't know, because there was a, a pretty good qualifying final last year um, that he won. But the challenges that that group were under significant uh, home game flipped. The biggest one, I think, was the injuries to the big O and, and the challenge that was there. But you summed it up perfectly, and they hung in there. They challenged. They led for three minutes last night, and they led at the most important time. Significant. Well said, Simon. Chris is on the line. Malcolm is in South Australia. We'll get to you and all of your other calls after the all-important 10 o'clock news with Meredith Gibbs. On SEN, the Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Yeah, it's been a busy first hour on the Captain's Run through until 12 o'clock. Taking a lot of you calls um, significantly from Collingwood fans. Uh, a lot of you Brisbane Lions supporters. More of you out there than I thought this morning want your team to get some credit, and rightly so. Um, what a performance facing the prospect of going zero and three and somehow hung in there long enough to win at the last moment. I'm asking you for your favourite ever after the siren moments. Um, I gave a couple of mine, Rod Jamison, early days at the Crows against that team, Fitzroy, the old Fitzroy, uh, outside 50, wet day. He was a great kick, Rod Jamison. That was a moment for me that I remember. Jared Poulton at the SCG, Peter, Peter Burgoyne um, at Footy Park, another one of those. Your favourites, let me know and join in the conversation this morning, one three hundred. 736 736. Chris is on the line. He's been waiting nice and patiently. G'day to you, Chris. Morning, mate. Morning, Kane. Happy Easter to you and your family. And to you, mate. Um, I'm a Lions member, diehard Future Choice supporter, and um, I must admit, I think that the, the Lions and Collingwood game needs to be moved to Victoria. Um, just the buzz before the game, mm. even after the game, just walking out of the ground and singing, and um, just the, the joy that, that us Victorian supporters that we, um, we enjoyed last night was was magnificent. Like to see the old few choice supporters there, and um, just that you know, just I don't know, it was it was just really really emotional feeling after that siren, after that well, goal. You make a good point. Like I was watching on TV, but you made some noise. There must have been a few of you there. Yeah, there was probably at least around I'll say seven to eight thousand, but we're all clustered together, and and that was good. That was grass, grass. You know, just like, um, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> mm, well done, mate. I, I can I can hear it a, a significant moment. Did you? What were the emotions? What were the scenes like amongst you and your fellow supporters after that went through? Was just jumping and hugging like just random people around you, <laughs> high fives, and um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love it. Well, and, they, um, they're going to play. They're going to play twice. So that that one was going to be at the Gabba, of course, but they were going to play again in round twenty-two. Do you have another point, mate? No, nah, he's gone. So let's get to Malcolm, who's in uh, South Australia. G'day to you, Malcolm. You want to have a chat about player development? 
Yeah, great game. First off, great crowd at Nord Oval last night too. Stopped by How many? Thousands. How great. many were there? Uh, they declared four nine four three. So yeah, it looked a bit, a looked more, a bit more than that. that. Yeah. yeah, no, it was good. Uh, good game, and I'll be very surprised. While as a Nord supporter, I hope I hope he's not. But for the kids' sake, I'll be very surprised if Kennelly's not picked up in the mid-season draft. Um, right. Kane, in terms of you know, we talk, we all go through the draft with a fine-tooth comb and say who's a, you know, who's a success and who's a bust and who should have been picked and all that. In hindsight, but I just think player development is so uh, undervalued in that way. Like Kane, as you know, I'm a very experienced maggot, and I will say that Aaron Fiora is the best junior I ever umpired. He did things as a junior, was like Andrew McLeod's evasive skills at his absolute best, and yet he plateaued and then bombed as an AFL player. And I, I just really wonder how Richmond's development, and I'm just using him as an example. Yeah, it's the age-old debate, isn't it? The 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 player's ability versus the development, um, and and the percentage that you would place on that. And some clubs have done it better, um, and some clubs haven't. But it's yeah, I'm not sure we'll ever know the answer what the what the mix is. But you can go through the draft, and there's so many examples of clubs getting it wrong. Uh, even Zach Bailey, like pick 15 in 2017, what a good pick! And they've played him, they've developed him. Um, and look at the results. You've got a very, very good AFL footballer who's going to play 200 games. Dom's on the line. Um, g'day to you, Dom, and welcome. Yeah, g'day, Kane. Always good talk to you. Yeah, Carlton supporter. Uh, just um, my change this week. Watch Luke Parks. This this kid is going to be exceptional. He's an interesting marking. He, he, he started off in Sydney, and then he went to Glenelg, and I think he played every game there. He's about 192, and he is a defender who attacks the ball and is a fantastic mark. He'll get Williamson's place. Stephen, Sil- uh, Stephen Silvani, no, what's his name? Jack Silvani will get Levi's place. Cunningham for Martin. And Fisher, I reckon they might need Kennedy to come in, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Eddie or O'Brien. And just a quick one on ticketing. People are bagging Ticketmaster and Ticketek. The whole thing is they're following the ridiculous COVID plans for the go- from the government. And I, I rang you about six weeks ago and I said, people, you will not sit, you'll be lucky to sit in your reserve seat by the end of the year. And just a quick one, how great is footy? Footy mm. is just sensational so to watch. And I reckon apart from the man on the mark, the reduction of the interchange, which KB's going on since about for the last 70 years, I reckon has really made the difference. You can see the players tying in the end of the game, and the games are just great to watch, and I'm loving it. Well said, Dom. The reduction of the interchange, I know a lot of people are lauding the man on the mark. I, I still can't have it. I think the biggest impact has been that reduction in interchange. And to see Collingwood run out of interchange with two minutes to go in the game, was was great. Like it's, it's another aspect of the game you're watching. Oh, I didn't realise they're almost out of interchange. Players are out on their feet. Game opens up because you can't put the pressure because you're not as fresh to do it. It absolutely makes sense. Been a great addition to the game. Frank is on the line. Darcy Moore, how'd you see his game, Frank? Kano, how are you? You're a 
critical commentator out there. I'm just surprised that the criticism hasn't come for more yet. He's a he's a great dashing attacking defender, but isn't the first rule stop goals? Now he's he's conceded. I mean, conceded two against nine round one. Mackay was our best forward last week. He conceded four last night. Danaher should have kicked, should have kicked six on him. He kicked three three, but he had twenty touches. So, I mean, we talk about defenders being defenders first, and then again, he's great on the attack and. The old ball that he kicks through the through the lines and, and sets up the the forwards, but he's not a he's not a defender and he's not a very good defender that I've seen in the first three weeks. He's been beaten too many times one on one, and last night and even against Mackay, who didn't have much of a an opportunity, he kicked four on him. And last night again, Danaher probably should have kicked five or six realistically. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I see it a little bit different. I I would love to have Darcy Moore in my side. I think he's a, a real weapon and it, it it's really difficult to now judge one-on-one contests because you've got defenders playing this modern system where they're guarding space. They're not, they're not actually um instructed to play on a man. It sounds ridiculous, I know, but they are looking to get the pressure up the field. They can guard the dangerous space in the forward line and then they can attack the footy. Now, it's a little bit more difficult with the man on the mark and there has been a few more one-on-one contests. Yeah, I, I, I think you've been a little bit harsh, Frank. I think he's a, a real weapon and I think most teams in the competition would love to have Darcy Moore. Was he at his best last night? No, he wasn't. Did he make a mistake late in the game? Um, yep, he did. That ball should have gone a lot longer towards the boundary line. Um, and he had some moments against him, as he did last week. But I'd still love to have him in my side. But I appreciate your thoughts, mate, and your opinions. It's what makes this show happen. Peter is in Essendon. Uh, you want to chat about the Tigers, Pete? Uh, uh, yes, Kane. Uh, happy Easter to you, Kane. And to you, Kane, mate. For, for what this is worth, when Richmond play Port Adelaide, and I'm going ahead of myself here, um, that's an Adelaide, correct? Yep. Um. I would play. I would um, take away five senior players and play five uh, five kids in that game to offset Adelaide, not to show any hand. What's your thoughts? Crazy. Oh, so the, you talk about the Richmond. So Richmond play Port Adelaide next Friday night. Is that is that the game you're talking about, or are you talking about? No, yeah, that, uh, that's the game I'm talking about. Right. Uh, drop five players, not drop them, but uh, bring five kids in. And rest five what? players, five senior why, players. Why would you do that against a, a good opposition? Well, it's not so much conceding, but it's not showing their hand. Just give, uh, uh, you know. You, you, think, the... you think they'll meet later on in the year, do you? Yeah, of course. Um, Get them no, off guard. I, I know it might yeah. be crazy. Come on, Pete. I, 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 it sounds a bit sounds a bit crazy. I'm all for left field suggestions. Um, if, if I was going to do anything, and if you're worried about that, it's probably a bit early to do that. Look, if it was round 22 and uh, it was looking like you're going to play them in a qualifying final, then perhaps you would hold back some of your ammo. But I don't think at round four, Damien Harbick would be too worried about resting five players and bringing in some kids. But appreciate your thoughts. Albert is in far north Queensland. G'day, Albert. Yeah. G'day, Kane. How are you? Just want to I'm ring good. Up you want to talk about the state of footy? Oh, yeah, I, I stopped watching footy. I turned it right. off because it was so bad a few years ago, or for the last four or five years. Start reading the book, but now I sit there and I'm just laughing to myself, thinking, "How good is this now?" Mm. What Beautiful What has impressed you the most? What's impressed you the most? Well, a lot. The ability to use their skill and run and be athletic. Last week against uh, at Footscray and um, West Coast, the marking, the excitement, it's just pulsating football now instead of 
it used for years, it was like two schoolboy classes going at each other when they were about seven, just a rolling mall. Mm. It just killed all the aspects of Aussie rules that we love. Albert's loving it. Are you with him? He's in far north Queensland, switched off the footy, but now he's back. Good to have you back, Albert. I'm glad you are enjoying it. It has been a great start to the year. I think that is true. My one concern is the longer the season goes, is there going to be the poor teams versus the good teams? And is that gap going to be so severe that we're going to have significant blowouts? Um, and with that, you lose interest. The thing that we're seeing is close games, thrillers, West Coast, Western Bulldogs, last night, Geelong, Brisbane. It's fascinating. Oh, I'm not so much about high scoring. I'm about a contest, and that's what we've seen so far. But I am concerned that there's some really poor teams in the competition, and that's going to be exposed the longer the year goes on. But right now, let's enjoy it for what it is. Julian, um, you are at the footy last night? Uh, yeah, mate. Hey, how's it going? Good. Uh, I was there as a neutral supporter last night, level one, sitting amongst very heavy Collingwood supporters. Mm. Um, I'm a Carlton supporter myself. I was just there to support a mate and watch a good game of footy, which it turned out to be. Um, you know, coming that last minute or so, and they scored that goal after the siren, I can tell you now, the reaction of the Collingwood supporters was absolutely disgusting. The mob mentality, I had beer thrown at me. I was pushed side to side. I was physically and verbally abused. And I really feel the AFL needs to start cracking down on this because the two security guards that they employ every 500 metres is just ridiculous, mate. I mean, you're abused upon. They can't handle a one-point loss after the siren and everybody turned into animals. I just feel it was disgusting. Mm. I saw a video from Jackie Reed, who I worked with at Channel 9 for a little bit. She's at Channel 7. Uh, I think she does some work at 3AW now. She posted a video of some of what you're saying, um, a few of the, the Collingwood fans behaving in a really ordinary fashion. What was your experience? Were you there? Did you experience that, the same as what Julian did last night? Did you see it? We, we would like to hear from you. And does the AFL need to do more? to make sure that doesn't happen. You want to go to the footy and feel safe, particularly in these times and particularly when crowds have been down because I still think people are a little bit nervous um, being in the crowds. Let's go to Brisbane and sneak in Jackson. He wants to pay some recognition to a young Lions star. Hey, Kane, how are you, mate? Good. Uh, I just wanted to say, Hugh McClug, I'm a Geelong supporter, but Hugh McClug, his last quarter last night was unbelievable. He reminded me of uh, Joel Salwood. He, he literally got them over the line. Um, and being a Geelong supporter, I just wanted your take on how does Dalhouse and Myers keep getting a game at Geelong? Dalhouse and Myers, Grind Myers, they do, yeah. It's, what it is, it's a tough spot to play. Uh, that position is a footballer's graveyard. Like, it's, it's such a hard position to play. And, and what do they have underneath at Geelong? To, to fill that void, you'd have to, you know, go and watch the VFL and look at some of the youngsters coming through. But to me, they do enough. McCluggage was a good pick, wasn't he? What what year was it? Was it 2016 draft, 2017? Who would you take? It's a good question. If you could redraft that draft, McGrath at one or McCluggage at three, I think he was. But if you just had the pick between those two, who's going to be a better footballer? Andy McGrath from the Bombers or Hugh McCluggage at Brisbane? I'll let you ponder that one um, as we go to a short break. Our number's one 736 736 Get involved.
on SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Huge game. Gold Coast Suns are in good form. They were impressive against West Coast in round one. They smashed North Melbourne last week, and now they are in Adelaide. Their head of football joins us. His name's John Haynes. Hainsy, thanks for your time, mate. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. How disrupted uh, have you been this week? I know you had to come to Adelaide early. Um, there's been some um, anxious moments. Take us through the week. Yeah, a little bit of uncertainty. We, we, on Monday, we uh, had some discussions with the AFL regarding, um, obviously, that the case that was uh, was growing in Brisbane at the time, and we both felt it was best to get out of uh, Queensland a little bit earlier than what we anticipated, so we, we flew out Tuesday morning. Uh, we normally would have arrived here Thursday, uh, so it was a couple of days earlier than, than planned, um, but we, at the same time, as we sort of alluded to, we We'd always thought that COVID would impact the season at some point and this type of scenario might arise. So we, we were well planned for it and ready for it. Uh, I mean, yeah, we were planning to stay a little bit longer, but uh, yeah, thankfully the, the situation in Queensland and, and Gold Coast and Brisbane in particular has been handled really well and uh, it, it's moved really quickly in a positive direction. So we'll be uh, we'll be heading back home tomorrow after the game, which is uh, a little bit earlier than what we probably initially planned. That, that is good news because there was some talk you may have to stay a week and even the prospect of your game against Carlton in round four being moved to Adelaide Oval. So as it sits right now, that game will be next Saturday at Metricon against the Blues. Yeah, that's our understanding, Kane. Yeah, so it seems that um, the, you know, the Victorian government has given the OK for Carlton to be able to move back into, into Victoria, which is obviously a pretty important piece of the puzzle. So um, as it sits today... Mm. Um, Things are, are moving as, as fixtures. We've been joking this week that uh, the Crows fans might make a, a banner for those two boys instead of one for the Crows players to wheel one out for them. Uh, what's their contract situation? Hainsey, we like to keep a close eye on the South Australian boys. You don't want to lose them. I, I believe Lacocious is long term. Where's Rankin at? Yeah, they're, they're both on similar terms at the moment. And um, you know, pleasingly, Charlie Ballard is another. You know, South Australian uh, lad, you know, recently resigned for another four years as well, which will take him through to free agency. So, um, you know, we feel like the group's, you know, pretty settled across the whole board. You know, we're, we're probably the most contracted club in the competition at the moment, and that was a, you know, a strategic um, objective that we wanted to undertake, you know, about 18 months ago, two years ago, in terms of you know, making sure our environment was was really attractive to, the, to all of our players. Um, you know, it's a great place to live. They're in a great program, and you know, they uh, they really believe in each other and they believe in the plan that they're they're a part of. So it's a pretty you know, when you when you mix that football um, side of things with the with the living in the Gold Coast and what a great community is and how yeah, good it is for elite athletes. It's a pretty good mix. So you know, our boys are pretty settled at the moment. And, uh, yeah, we're really happy with the way they're going. Was that a challenge for you then to to be one of the most contracted clubs in the comp with everything that happened and uh, the salary cap being reduced and players taking pay cuts? How much shuffling did you have to do to make sure you're underneath it and um, you know all, all clear with the AFL? Was that a challenge? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question because I, I suppose when um, we didn't set out with that that aim in mind, came but we certainly set out set out with a, an aim to. One, get our environment right, and then you know our players making their own decisions on where they wanted to, to to commit to their footy future. And what that resulted in was a was a really heavily heavily um, contracted group uh, pre COVID. And then when COVID came along, um, yeah, we're obviously really happy with that that situation pre COVID. And then when COVID came along, it certainly created some challenges. And you know, clubs that um, were less contracted, if you want to use that term, had, had greater flexibility in their contracting situation after the COVID period. But 
we've been able to we've been able to manage everything um, in partnership with you know, our players and also the AFL and, and the various player managers. And we're really comfortable with 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 it where, where everything's at. And you know, if, if we look back, the, the strategy that we set out to is, was still the right one at that, that particular time. Um, no one would have predicted. You know, COVID coming along and, and we've been able to navigate our way through that pretty well. So we're pretty comfortable with where it sits. Can I ask you about Matt Rowe? Because he's fascinating to me. It feels like footy is all-encompassing for him and you know, burst onto the scene, everything's flying, injured. He has a notebook. He sits next to Stewie Dew on the bench. He's just so invested and involved. And then he gets fit and he gets injured again. Like mentally, what sort of character is he and how challenging is it for him? Yeah, it's well. Mentally, first of first of all, he's, he's incredibly uh, driven, um, you know, incredibly hardworking and, and highly resilient. So, um, yeah, the, the two injuries that he's had early in his career have, have certainly tested that part of his personality. But we've also seen him, you know, handle it incredibly well. It's it's the first time the shoulder injury he had last year was the first time he'd, he'd been injured his whole career, and then to have another knee injury, you know, a, a short time after is has certainly been a challenge for him, but you know his his attitude. If we look at this knee one in the short term, has been one of you know he was certainly flat, um, you know, in the 24, 48 hours after the injury. But once it was diagnosed and got a really positive um, response from our medical team and, and the surgeon, um, and the fact that there's there's a really you know good opportunity for him to play some you know, a good good bank of footy in the second half of the season, his attitude just went straight to straight mm. to rehab. What do I need? What do I need to do? Um, and he, we know, having seen him tackle his shoulder rehab, we know how he, what sort of attitude he's going to take in this particular phase as well. So we're really confident that he'll, he'll come out the other side, um, you know, probably better for it in the longer run in terms of his career. But we just need to make sure we put the right support around him, you know, in the short term, and, and make sure he gets through his rehab with flying colours, which we, which we're really sure he will. Your injury list isn't necessarily a long one, but there's some some key ones on there. Rouse, one of them, uh, Butterick yeah. with the ACL during the week. Sam Day's, you know, on crutches. He's got a nasty one. Zach Smith is going to miss, you know, a good month or so still. So there's some key injuries that you've got, um, and it's tough for a young group. Um, how have how have you found it, and and the space to challenge those guys mentally as they sit on the sidelines for an extended period? Yeah, you're right. It is a small group, but they're one. They're reasonably significant, and um, to the, the majority of those guys you just referred to, probably other than Zach, who's got another month or so to go, a long term. Um, we've had we've had really good availability over the last two pre seasons and, and last year as well. So that that's been a really important objective for us as well in terms of with such a young group, making sure that you know we've got great availability because that clearly helps them from a training and development point of view. So we've been pleased with that, but these last few injuries have been the long term ones, mm. which uh, which can be challenging at times. So that. Our key focus, you know, with Connor, um, Maddie, um, you know, Matthew Conroy as well, who recently did his knee, um, is to make sure they just get all the support they need. And that, that comes from a physical point of view. We've got a really good rehab team who, who oversee the, you know, the physical rehabilitation, but then also making sure that they've got the right emotional and, and mental support as well. And for some of the guys, that means, you know, going home and spending some time with family. So, you know, Matthew Rowell at the moment uh, has gone back to Victoria for a week or so just to... Um, spend some time with family. You know, we'd anticipate that Sam Day will potentially do the same as well and come back to SA and spend some time with his family. So you just, we just need to find that mix between ensuring that their rehab is under control and they're being really diligent with that, but they're also getting time to, to be with family and friends if they need that. What about uh, Rory Atkins, mate? Where's he at at the moment? 
Yeah, he's getting pretty close, Andrew. So he's, he's with the group at the moment. Um, they're actually do, he's actually out doing a um, conditioning session at the moment as we're speaking. Um, but yeah, he's not too far away. We, we just felt that you know, he's going to be really important for us. We want to make sure we set him up for a really long crack at it. And we just feel he needs a little bit more work um, before we uh, before he makes his AFL debut for the Sun. So he's not too far away. We want to say that within the next few weeks, we think he'll be physically ready to to put his hand up for selection. Gold Coast Suns head of football, John Haynes, joining us this morning. Uh, John, there's teams that set um, targets for their season and they do it publicly. We saw Port Adelaide do the same. You know, other clubs like Carlton and, and North Melbourne have even done so. Have you set yourself a target, and, and is that finals? And have you set it publicly? Yeah, we, we we haven't set a, a loss record if you want to call that game, but we certainly our main aim at the moment is just really aggressively chasing improvement. We feel like the group uh, has got an enormous amount of capability currently, but we also feel and strongly believe there's an enormous amount of improvement left in the group. Um, so we're chasing that really, really aggressively, and we haven't got any ceiling on the group this year. Like we feel that you know if everything goes right, we're certainly going to give ourselves a chance um, to push up towards finals. And, you know, every team in the competition would, would have that aspiration, but we feel in, in terms of our, the phase that we're in at the moment, off the back of the, a pretty heavy reset, that we're in that phase now. That if if we can get everything right and we can keep getting that improvement out of our at an individual level and a group level, then we should we should be pushing up towards finals. There's no doubt about that. We love the Amazon documentary making their mark. Thought one of the biggest winners was your coach Stewie Jew. Um, are you glad you're involved in it? Yeah, I, I think on reflection, okay, we are. We, we certainly had a lot of questions going into it, um, as you know, I'm sure the other clubs did as well. Um, and not so much around the story that they were trying to tell, but just practically how how would it mm. look day to day? Because you know, on, on most days you had you know a couple, couple of cameramen, you know, a boom operator, a producer, and so you got three or four, sometimes five people in and around your your football department. Um, on a daily basis, so the, we we needed to understand the practicalities of, of what that looked and looked like, and what it meant for our our players and our program and so forth. But I think once we got got some comfort around that, um, the Amazon guys were were terrific to work with, um, and the end result is you know we hope other people will judge it, but you know we hope that people have got an insight into what we're trying to build and you know what sort of club we have and, and the quality of our people and, and the environment we're trying to create. So. If, people, if, we, if that's the outcome that's been achieved, then uh, yeah, we're, we're pleased with it. Good on you, mate. Good luck tonight. Good luck for the rest of the season. Hopefully it's not too impactful for you. You get home as you should and, and the season continues. I appreciate your time this morning. You're always generous with it. No, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. On ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. 20 minutes to 11 o'clock. It's a very good morning to you this Good Friday. Thank you for your company. Wherever you may be listening to us, you can download the SEN app and listen crystal clear wherever you like. And lots of feedback coming through on that temper text, 0433981116, a mattress like no other. We'll get to those shortly. We've got a Twitter poll up at SEN Captain's Run on Twitter. Who is the better player from the 2016 draft, Andrew McGrath or Hugh McCluggage? McGrath has taken one. McCluggage three, Tim Taranto stuck in the middle. At the moment, um, nearly 250 votes. Hugh McCluggage at 68%, Andy McGrath at 32%. Right now in Adelaide, there is a good game of footy coming up. Well, we hope it's going to be a good game of footy against one side, as we just heard from John Haynes at the Gold Coast, who are looking to play finals this year. 
and another side looking to surprise us all like they did in round one in the commentary booth. This man's gone global. He's gone national. He started from humble beginnings here in Adelaide and he's worked his way to be one of the prominent voices across tennis, across football, across journalism. He's AFL Nation's very own Tommy Rand. Tommy, thanks for your time. Oh, Kane, okay, no, thanks for having me on. Gee, that's a that's a fascinating poll, that McCluggage McGrath mm. one. I, I think I think probably people are basing a bit of it from last night. McCluggage was so good, but I rate McGrath. I think he's a hell of a player. I think he's an A grader in the making as well. Yeah, it's it's win win, I think. Um I think you know, so, I th- yeah. I, think I agree. I think they've both hit and, and McGrath probably, you know, captain of, of the bombers. So um but, but McGrath McCluggage probably just got a few more tricks up his bow at the moment and more of a goal kicker. Yeah. How was the tennis, Tommy? I haven't spoken to you then. Well, you you can call yeah. all things, but the tennis, the Australian Open, there was crowds, there wasn't crowds, then there was crowds. How was the experience for Chill Nine? Strange. It was fascinating. Look, being in Melbourne, I was very lucky, very privileged. Um, when we went into that five-day lockdown, and Melbournians, I'm sure, will be able to speak to this better than me, but it, it felt like it, it was a almost broke people because there's mm. been those two prior lockdowns. Mm. I think people, you know, were so flat, but thank goodness it was only for those five days. And, you know, since then, Victoria has done so well. Um, interesting experience. Like in tennis commentary, Kane, you sort of get told, let the pictures do the talking. Yep. Let the sounds of the game, because you can see it. So, you know, less is more sometimes. As soon as we had no crowds and mm. there was no atmosphere, we got the directive, Talk, talk, talk. You just keep on going because otherwise there's nothing else. Um, so that was different. I, look, it was. I was still so happy that we had an event to, to be able to hold and stage, and they did really well. But I hope we don't have to go through that again. I hope we're back to normal, a bit like we've got with the football now. Yeah, I hope so too. Because there was there was that brief period where you you weren't funneling in the crowd noise as well, and it was yeah. You, know, you just get you get the realisation of how important crowds are. We saw it last year with the footy. It definitely Spot on. Ten, tennis relies on that crowd after each point. It just falls flat, doesn't it, without yeah. crowds? I mean, you know, it just it just enhances a moment. It just, you know, encapsulates the emotion and, and everything it means for a player. And, and players write on that. Um, and, you know, commentators do too. And, you know, people at home, it just gives it so much more colour when you've got fans. So, yeah, we, we need them back. And with the footy last night, you know, what we've had over the first two rounds, God, it's good. It's mm. good to have crowds again. Mm. I'm really looking forward to tonight's game. And it wasn't one that I would have probably said that at the start of the year. Yep. But um, if Adelaide can replicate what they did against Geelong, and it's a, it's a tough way to play footy, like to be in the game and to pressure and to tackle and harass is hard. Hot weather in Adelaide, 31 degrees, which will challenge them. But... Can they do it, Tommy? Can they replicate what they did against Geelong in round one? Because that was extraordinary. 100% they can. I, I really do believe it. Um, I thought there were three games at the start of this round came where I went flip of the coin. Last night was one of them, and it could have gone either way, and it you know went after the siren. Tonight, I think, and the other one's West Coast Port. Those three games yeah. I looked at and went, yeah, these are tough games, and the two SA sides are in two of them. This is a huge test for Adelaide. Um, they were brilliant in that first round. They were good in periods last week. Their kicking let them down. But I think they're up at the moment. There's still some huge issues with their list. Um, I'm really concerned that their top picks from the last four and five years still mm. aren't playing, and I'm sure we'll touch on that. But I think Matty Nix is doing a great job at the moment with what he's got. I think they're playing good football. 
But they come up against a side who I think are really well coached. And if they're going to take the next step, they've never beaten Adelaide over here. They're zero and six. Mm. This is an opportunity. They probably won't get a better one. Well, there's a stat for you. Zero and six. And what, only beat the Crows for the first time last year, I think it was. Exactly. One and 13 overall, Kane. Yep. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Hey, speaking of those young players, I I am fascinated about Darcy Fogarty because he's a, what was he, a mm. pick 10 or pick 12 from a draft that was four years ago. It is right in your sweet spot where you should be really making your mark. He is not. In fact, he's not even in the side who won three games last year, which is a concern. Matthew Nix spoke about Darcy Fogarty yesterday. Let's have a listen on this comparison. We'll get your thoughts after this. We've seen that as a weapon, haven't we? Like for, for a lot of clubs over the last few years, that player that is explosive, you know, strong and dynamic around the footy, but then has the ability to go forward and score and hit the scoreboard. Dusty's the, I mean, he's the number one in the competition at the moment. Um, Danger does a similar, Petraka. So, yeah, we, we look at a lot of other sides, what they're doing. We look at individual players. Ultimately, though, Foggy's his own player. He's, he's not going to try and be someone else. We'll, we'll get his game to a level that hopefully, you know, uh, sooner rather than later, we're talking about that Fogarty role. That's the goal for him. I think the Richmond fans have just driven off the road. I know what he was trying to say, Tommy, um, but should he be linking a player that has not even established himself at the level with Petrarca, Dangerfield and Martin? I, I think it is dangerous and adds to the pressure of the situation. It's a big call. And the other mm. thing which I'm intrigued with, Kane, and you know footy far better than me, but turning Fogarty into a midfielder, um, whew, I'm not sure. Look, he has leaned down. He's got a much mm. better tank, I think, now. But he's, as you say, he's out of the side. I, 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 I think they're a bit confused as to what to do with him because they've yep. got Billy Frampton, they've got Elliot Himmelberg, they've got Taylor Walker. They've got this plethora of forwards at the moment. Phil Thorpe as well, who they've got to bring through. And Walker is playing almost the best football he has in the last seven or eight years. I know it's a small sample size. Mm. So he's not coming into the forward line anytime soon. So I think they're trying to create a position for him. Um, I just don't know. Is it going to be you know in, in the midfield? I, I think he's a forward. That's where he's played most of his junior football. Matthew Nix is closer to it than we are, Kane. But it seems a big transformation to go from forward to midfield for a player like him. Yeah, so if I'm looking at it, it's a last it's a last throw at the stumps for me. Um, fourth year, 24 games, hasn't established himself. To now think that on April the 1st, they're going to turn him into a midfielder. Like, this is a discussion that needed to happen in November. Like, this is, we're going to train you as a midfielder. We are going to get you super fit. We're going to play you in the midfield for the practice games. And that's your role. You're going to spend... 60% forward, 40% in the midfield, and this is the way we're going. This, this seems like a desperation move to me in round two to think, oh, what, what are we going to do with him? Oh, let's play him in the midfield mm. would be my take on that. So we'll watch it closely. Look, he, I hope he, I hope he does because he's great to watch. Like, he's aggressive, he's tough, he's a good kick for goal. But for whatever reason, he hasn't made the most. And as I said, a last throw at the stump. So you're calling the game tonight with Malcolm Blight, the great messiah. Blighty, what's it like working with him? He's, he's amazing. And, I mean, you've done it a lot too, Kane. Um, he, he's not afraid to come forward with his opinions, a bit like yep. yourself, which is great. And he's always got a, an unusual take on the game, like just in terms of when you're running in for goal, the way you should be aiming or just really simple stuff. And then you think about it and you think, well, that's actually really smart. And I guess that's why he is who he is. Um, love calling with him. He, he's actually mellowed. I know he did have a really tough side, but 
I find him lovely. Um, mm. You know, I almost find him too nice. Um, but I think when he wants to, when he's really upset, you see him bang the fist on the desk. If he doesn't like something, he'll let you know quick, smart, which I love as well. Honest, fascinating, um, and one of the brilliant minds. You know, he, he's great to work with. And before we let you go, uh, concerned about the crowds or not? I mean, as you say, early on in the season um, in Adelaide, certainly Crows first game, 26,000 against, you know, a side that played in the grand final on a nice Saturday. Port Adelaide didn't touch 30, just under against another higher drawing crowd in the Bombers. What would the crowd expectation be for traditionally a low drawing crowd like Gold Coast? Yeah, I'd hope came 35,000. I mean, yeah. you're right. I would have thought the numbers would be up a bit more. Maybe there's a bit of reluctance, you know, given COVID and everyone's just taking a bit of time. But it's Friday night footy. I know it's Good Friday um, and it's a low-drawing side, Gold Coast. But this is a huge game. Go two and one and it's it's massive for Adelaide. So I hope they start to push into the 30s and we get a really big atmosphere tonight for what should be a great game on the national stage. So big opportunity for fans to get out there and, you know, really vent their spleen. Absolutely, Rennie. Fire up tonight. Look forward to tuning into the AFL Nations coverage with you, Blighty and Kim Dillon. Can't wait. Thanks for that, Kano. Tom Rennie's an absolute ripper, guru, and one of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet. Coverage on AFL Nation will begin after that Western Bulldogs and North Melbourne Good Friday game from 7.15 tonight. So tune in and listen to what is hopefully going to be a very, very good game of footy. Uh, Ian has given us a call. He wants to join in the conversation this morning. G'day, Ian. Thanks for holding. Here you go, mate. Yeah, Ooh. reminiscing about goals after the bell. Yeah, what's your favourite? Yeah. Uh, well, John Peck in round 13 in 1960, he kicked mm-hmm. the goal to have our Hawthorne's first win ever at Victoria Park after 35 years. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> can you and, remember uh, but, it vividly, Ian? Oh, yeah, of course I can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the year before... Uh, he, he had a chance to win it with the dying seconds to go uh, against Quarren the year before, and he bounced the ball in the bloody goal square, and he lost it, and the siren went. So he made up for it the following year. Uh, Ripper, yeah. love it, love it. There's been some good one, good ones at the Hawks. Ben Dixon, um, someone will refresh my memory against uh, of who that was against. Certainly after the siren, Isaac Smith had some moments, and I think missed, but. Uh, Hawks fans, your favourite after the siren moments on the back of Zach Bailey last night. I still think the best thing that you can do in football, and I've always been jealous of those that have done it, is kick a goal after the siren. Luke Shuey, David Mundy, you know, players like this that have done it. Great suggestions coming through. Keep them coming. 4 98-11-16. Still to come, Big Shogun talks a bit of, bit of athletics with a um, Nick Badeau, who is one of the absolute gurus of Australian athletics as we gear up to what is going to be a sensational Olympics and the Aussies have some real shots for a medal, which you wouldn't usually say on the track. We've got the quiz over and under. Want your thoughts on the commentary teams being compromised. Caroline Wilson launched Caro's Arrow on Monday night on footy classified, took aim at Bartel, Rashudo, Darcy. Well, we had another one last night. Does it affect the coverage of the game if Luke Hodge is an assistant coach to the Lions and calls the footy? Do you have an issue with it? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Yeah, it's a couple of minutes to 11 o'clock. I wanted to get your thoughts on this from Caroline Wilson on Monday night. Caro Zaro, not for the first time, was directed at compromised television and I guess by extension radio coverages of the footy. 
There is just no excuse for TV networks and radio stations putting footy club directors behind the microphone to call their own footy teams. Cost restrictions don't cut it. Suggestions that the media is so cash-strapped or commentators so reliant on paying gigs that they have to juggle these conflicts are just excuses. Excuses for what is, frankly, a compromised call. This is nothing against Luke Darcy, who called yesterday's Western Bulldogs game, or Jimmy Bartell or Mark Rusciuto, but there is just no way their calls are not compromised when they're so personally and sometimes professionally invested. What's your thoughts, 1300 736 736? It was on the back of Luke Darcy in the Western Bulldogs thrilling game against West Coast the previous Sunday before that was recorded on Monday night. And once again, Luke Hodge, he's, he's a part-time assistant coach, isn't he, at Brisbane, um, calling the footy for Channel 7. I, I don't have as big a issue with it. I, I enjoyed Hodge's commentary last night because of the insight that you can get to some of the players that he works with a lot closer than what I do. So um, I thought he was pretty well balanced in his call last night. Um, and you know, G- Jimmy's the same a little bit. I, Jimmy had an issue with a couple of umpiring decisions. If you are if you are compromised there, then that is an issue if you're not prepared to have your say on the an umpiring decision or an aspect in the game, then you are compromised. But last night, watching Luke Hodge, I thought did a pretty good job and gave me some insight into some Brisbane players that... Maybe your average um, Cameron Lang or uh, Matthew Richardson wouldn't be able to deliver. But I'm interested in your thoughts. Are you as upset as Caroline Wilson is? one 736 736 Big last hour still to come. On ECM, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Yeah, lots of text coming through on uh, AFL figures that are compromised during a call. Caro, absolute nonsense. Imagine Lou Richards not calling a Magpies game. We're all adults and love the character and bias. It's called entertainment, not a judicial hearing. We'll get to over and under very, very shortly and still to come is the quiz. Your calls on one 736 But I've been wanting to get this guru on for a long, long time. And as the Olympics draws closer, we saw the uniforms released this week. It feels like it's getting a little bit closer and a lot of athletes have now qualified and punched their tickets to Tokyo in July. Leading athletics trainer is my next guest. He's been doing it longer than most. Nick Badeau is his name. Nick, thanks for your time. Thanks, Kane. Very nice introduction. Hope I can live up to it. <laughs> You will be able to. You are you are a guru. Does it? Am I right? Does it feel like it's getting closer, or is it for you feels a mile away, and you've still got a lot of work to do to prepare these athletes so they're in the best possible shape? It definitely feels like it's getting closer. You, you do get the sense it's actually going to be on uh, now, but it is still a long way away. We've still got the national championships, and people are still fighting for places in the team. There's still a lot of uncertainty about who will get selected, but yeah, I, I do feel that Olympics going to be on and we're going to have something to watch in, in July, August. How challenging was it for you? Four years these athletes um, fight for to, to qualify and get themselves peaking and then it's delayed for a year. Now it's it's small world problems or first world problems, I should say, in the scheme of things, but how devastating was it for your guys and how did you approach it mentally for them? Oh, look, it was really tough for some, especially one girl, uh, marathon runner, Sinead, Diver, she's 44 now, 43 last year, so she doesn't have the same amount of time as a lot of other athletes have, but other athletes took it in their stride a bit better, but we just decided that we're going to get going and get um, some races done and try and get some 
results for the work we've done this year. And I sent a few to Europe for to Europe for on the track circuit, and and two went to run London Marathon. Um, and it was definitely challenging, uh, but we we had a lot of things happening. Like we did some time trials. We did a race around the tan one day, um, because that's what it's hard when the, the main thing in your life is your sport, and it's taken away from you. And it was taken away from all of these guys last year, especially when the, the biggest moment in their uh, life's journey in sports gone, the Olympic Games. So that's why we hope it's on this year. And, and if it is on, it'll be a really quick next three years because we'll, next year we'll have the World Championships and the Commonwealth Games. The year after that, World Championships. And then 2024, the Paris Olympics. So while we uh, we lost a bit with last year, there's certainly plenty to look forward to now. Let's talk about um, Sinead Diver, Melbourne's own. She's one of my favourite Aussie athletes and, and perhaps doesn't get the record recognition she deserves, albeit in the running industry she does. You mentioned the age, mum, she works, punches out 180 kilometre weeks regularly and you know top 10 New York Marathon, top 10 London Marathon. Um and Australia's fastest female marathon runner right now. So she will be going. I'm, I'm correct in saying that. Yeah, well, she's our fastest of the four people that have qualified so far. So there's going to be only one chance for anyone else to qualify. So she'll definitely, and there's only one person who's really got a shot in your friend Jess Trengo. But, mm. So she knows it'll be selected. And look, yeah, she is 44, but that's not really much of a factor because she runs like any 25 or 26-year-old would. You just have to assume that she's not going to be doing this for 10 more years like a 25-year-old yeah. might. But although, with Sinead, you never never know. She keeps surprising us. Like a, I said to her the other day, she looks like she's been taking the young pills again because she looks young and youthful and bouncy at the training track at the moment. She's really running well and looking forward to when she does get out to some races um, that are international level and see what she can do. What is your thoughts on the, the Sydney Marathon, which is April the 20, 25th, I think it is. It's the last shot for for anyone to knock out the three girls that have qualified for the marathon and, and three guys by extension there. Bit of controversy around it, Nick. I, I don't think you're too happy with it. Um, why not? Oh, no, I'm not, not unhappy they're having it. I just think that it's hard for anyone to run a marathon 14 weeks out from the Olympic Games and be at their best um, at mm. the Olympics. And mm. it's just a bit rushed and unorganised. Um, look, I'm, I wouldn't want to deny Jess a chance to do it. I just think it would be really difficult for her with, with the way it's been set up um, on a course like that in Sydney in April. It's just not the same as running a big city marathon where um, she'd probably have a good chance of qualifying. So, um, look, just get it on, get it done, and then pick the team. It's, it's just with a bit of stress for the athletes who already have qualified and, or, or done all the work and waiting for this um, decision to be made. Normally, you'd, you'd like to know uh, 18 weeks out from a big marathon that you're in it and you should start preparing for it. Okay, it's pretty clear that Sinead will be in it, but there's there's some doubt for Ellie Pashley or Jack Rayner, um, who um, who are the third fastest people of the those that are qualified, and they're just waiting for this race to be over so they can actually really start to focus and relieve a bit of the tension that comes with the anxiety of wanting to know, wanting to know if you are going to be selected. Yeah, I, I can understand that. That makes sense. Um, your biggest star is Stuart McSwain, biggest star in the sport, perhaps biggest star we've ever seen. Um, and maybe the, the most well-rounded athlete we've seen from 1,500 through to um, 10K. He's qualified for, for the 15, the 5 and the 10. Um, which events do you think he will favour running at Tokyo? Well, he's already been selected for the 5 and 10, having won the trials and that, and then in a couple of weeks' time, he'll be running the 1,500-metre trial in Sydney. If he wins that, he'll be selected, and then we'll sit down and have a discussion and start making our plans. It's, it's mm. Luckily for Stewie, 
he can train the same way he's trained for 10,000 and, and run his best 1500. So it's not like we have to really change the training. He's, he's just that sort of machine. Uh, he's so versatile. He can you know, train virtually the same for a race that's six times further and run as well as he does over a mile. Um, I'd say last year he, he ran really well on the Diamond League circuit and was top three in every race he ran over 1500, including winning the last one in Doha where he broke the Australian record. So probably in his mind he's sort of thinking 1500, but you've got to win the trial first. There's a few other guys around that are going to make it difficult for him, and if he if he doesn't win, he'll have to leave it up to the discretion of selectors and, and get selected before he makes up his mind. So we're not getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, just try and qualify, and then he and I will have a chat about which event he really he really has his heart set on and where he thinks his best chances will be. Very unusual for an Aussie to win a medal uh, middle distance at the Olympics. Is is it fair to say he's a realistic medal shot, Nick? Would would that be a, an expectation or a goal? Certainly a goal, but a realistic expectation. Oh, certainly the way he ran last year, fifteen hundred, and the way these races are likely to go with just the top guy in the world at the moment is a Kenyan. Timothy Chariot, he likes to go hard all the way, and that'll suit Stewie. So if he's there and he's in the at the Olympics and they're in the final together, I would say that Stewie definitely has a chance at, at getting a medal. He's certainly no uh, in or lock for it, but he's definitely a good chance. And you know, if it's a fast race, the World Championships were a fast race in Doha in 2019. A race like that, he's got better since then. He didn't make the final there, but he's improved a lot since then. He's definitely a chance. He's one of the. I'd say he's a certainly a top five or six contender and um, if, it, if everyone's gets there on the day healthy um, and he's got prepared a little bit better than any, you never know, he might be able to get one. Nick Badeau is Australia's leading athletics trainer and has been for a long time. Some of his athletes, Ryan Gregson, Jen Gregson, Stuart McSwain, Matthew Ramson, Sinead Diver amongst others, a lot of them going to the Olympics very shortly in July. I'm interested in your take on shoe technology, Nick. It's a controversial one. Some say it has a big impact. These new super shoes uh, led by Nike, but now all the other brands are getting involved. How significant has that been in the fast times that we're seeing across the world, not just in Australia? Well, there's no doubt they've made a difference in the times. In the, certainly in the marathons, people can run faster. It's probably a, a couple of minutes faster than what they were before. But it's like technology in all sports. You know, the, mm. the tracks are no longer cinders and they're not riding the penny farthings in the Tour de France anymore or, <laughs> or playing wooden rackets at Wimbledon. So it, it changes and we've just got to move with the times. Maybe it caught some people by surprise and Nike got ahead of the game by getting their shoes out first. But... Um, in two or three years' time, people will be forgotten about this and it'll we'll, we'll just be focused again on the competition rather than the times. That's one of the, the unfortunate things about athletics. People always talk about the time, you know, when, but when you watch the Melbourne Cup, no one really talks about what time the horses run. You just talk about the winners mm-hmm. and the place mm-hmm. getters. So athletics has probably got to try and focus a little bit more on competition and stop talking about times as much. And the restrictions on you, will you be allowed to go and, and join your athletes at the Olympics? What, what sort of conditions will they be under? I haven't all been made clear to us yet, but I'm, I'm not mm. too fussed at whether I'm there or not. I've been seven times to the Olympics. I'm, if I can help, I'll, I'd like to go to make, make a difference. But if I, if I don't think I can make a difference, I'm happy to watch it on TV if, if, if I was thought it was going to jeopardise my health or make it more difficult for the athletes. We just wait and see what the rules are. It's like these things change so, so much in, in everyone's lives. So we'll wait and see what happens when, when we get to June or July and start making some really rock-solid plans. In. We're, all, we're making vague plans and trying to work out what we'll do, but no one really actually knows what the conditions are. We, we still don't actually know if the Olympics are going to be on, so we'll just see what happens and go with, and go with what be flexible.
Good on you, mate. It's a big couple of months for you and a lot of your athletes can't wait to see them in green and gold representing Australia and, and with a real shot and some absolute quality and not uh, in part due to your influence over them. I appreciate your time this morning. If you want to get, get a, a good um, idea on how they're going, there's a race on Easter Monday at Stall. It's on live on Channel 7 at 1.30 uh, just before the, the Geelong Hawthorne game. McSwain, uh, Rayner, Brett Robinson... Rams and mm. Gregson, Dave McNeil, they're all running in a 3,200-metre handicap race where <laughs> Stewie gives them all various staff, so that'll be a bit of good entertainment for people who like running. Must watch Channel 7. Um, awesome, mate. Appreciate your time. Nick Badeau, our guest this morning, um, and has worked with World's Best. And let me tell you, Stewie McSwain, remember the name, absolute star, among others. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Gosh, I love the Olympics. Whew. Olympic tragic. Remember getting up as a, a youngster in the middle of the night watching it. Maybe does it have the same glow as it used to? Not sure. Do people still love it as much as what they used to? Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Alex has been waiting in Perth. We asked about the conflict of interest with uh, television commentators and special comments um, being connected to a club and calling the footy. Does it um, does it sway you and does it have an impact on you like it does Caroline Wilson? What's your thoughts, Alex? It's, it doesn't really bother me that much, but I find it totally unprofessional by the uh, commentators where they're not calling the game as it's being played. A classic example was um, the Western Bulldogs-Eagles game where um, Luke Darcy was calling. He's clearly a Bulldogs man. And there are a couple of incidents where Josh Bruce kicked a couple of goals where in the play leading up to him kicking those goals, there were clearly free kicks to, to uh, the Eagles that weren't paid. Yet mm. there's definitely silence from uh, Luke and the commentary team. Yeah, I think it's um, I think with the Channel Seven commentary particularly, I think they have a focus not to be critical of the umpire. And I think if there's a real if there's a real howler, they'll call it out. But by and large, the Channel Seven and and Foxtel to a lesser extent, but I still think it's there. There's, there's certainly an instruction, I think, not to be too critical. There was the one that's now that's on the AFL site that. Um, there's a highlight of one of the goals kicked by Bruce that came from a throw from Dunkley. And mm. it was a clear throw. Brian mm. Taylor sort of sort of called it, but they didn't make any issue of it. And it made a hell of a difference to the game. Yeah. Uh, I think I think what, you, uh, what what I'm saying is that there is certainly an instruction from, from the game's major broadcaster that uh, we can't be too critical of umpiring. And that's just what you get because you've got to encourage the young umpires to come through and, um, you know, I'll call it out on here and, and other platforms, but the Channel 7 guys um, have clearly been instructed not to do that. Time now, though, to get the latest around the sporting world with our friend Paul Sebastiani from Bet Deluxe. Bet Deluxe. Serious betting for serious punters. Betdeluxe.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Serious betting for serious punters. Gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. Paul, welcome in. Massive day of footy today. Take us through it. Yeah, it is indeed. Two blockbusters for good Friday football. The Western Bulldogs and North Melbourne do battle from Marvel Stadium. Doggies $1.07 in this one, Kane, at the head-to-head. North seven. Melbourne, $8.50. Yeah, yeah, this is... Uh, this Find is me some value then, the Paul. What's the line? Find me some value. Well, yeah, line set at 44.5 here, Kane. So the plus 44.5, $1.86 in favour of North Melbourne, $1.94 for the minus 44.5 for the Bulldogs. So we've had some money at the line for North Melbourne, Probably in line with Ben Cunnington coming in, I'd say. And then Adelaide mm. and Gold Coast take on each other tonight at Adelaide Oval. Gold Coast $1.86, but good money for the Crows. $2 into $1.96 here, Kate. 
Mm, all right, bit of value there for the Crows. Bit of racing at Caulfield tomorrow and Rose Hill. There is indeed, yeah. We've got the Easter Cup from Caulfield tomorrow. Favourite in this one is Persan. Ran really well first up. He's a $3.40 favourite. Second elect is La Don de V with JB Carr in the saddle. $8 into $6.50. And as you mentioned, racing from Rose Hill, we've got the two group ones there. The Vinery Stud, Personal Harmony Rose and Hungry Heart dominate the market here. Harmony Rose, 260 Personal, 550 Hungry Heart, 550 And we've got deluxe odds about Harmony Rose. So 260 on offer with most bookies. Four bucks on offer at betdeluxe.com.au. Max Bet applies in that one. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that special. And then Sir Dragonette, the favourite in the uh, in the uh, Tancred there at $5. So keep an eye out for all the specials. You run second or third this weekend at Rose Hill or Caulfield. It's money back in bonus bets up to 50 bucks, Kane. You are up and about, Paul. I can sense it. You are fired up for what is going to be a massive Easter weekend of sport. There you have it. All the latest with our good friends at Bet Deluxe, the new home for online punting, betdeluxe.com.au. Gamble responsibly, 1-800-858-858. On ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. I think we get into Chad's brother's quiz now, so let's do that right now. Now, it's time for Chad's brother's quiz. Look with theme two angry coaches. Ryan is going to kick us off. Last person standing for the quiz. Great prizes to give away an AFL fan emblem. You can get that at fanemblems.com.au and the usual round of golf at Club Mandalay on offer this morning. G'day to you, Ryan. G'day, mate. Chris Scott had a suspended fine of how much after his clash with Chris Fagan from Brisbane? Oh, uh, I wasn't sure. Was it 1000 bucks? It was a little bit more than $1,000. Appreciate your time, Ryan. So let's go to Brett. G'day, Brett. Uh, Cornsy. Chris Scott had a suspended fine of how much after the game with Brisbane last Friday? Uh, 10 grand. What's 10 grand? What a waste of time suspended fines are. Never, ever upheld. Ridiculous. Ross Lyon famously called a reporter sarcastically quite brilliant. What was that reporter's name? Shane McGinnis. You're quite brilliant. You're quite brilliant, Shane. Yeah, terrific. (laughs) You're right, mate. Flying through. Question number three. Who were Hawthorne playing the day that Clarko smashed his fist through the wall? Which team were they playing against? Oh, I don't know. Whoever whoever Jacob Surgeon coaches? <laughs> Jacob Surgeon coaches North Adelaide in the sample. It is an AFL team. Uh, let's go to Craig. Craig, welcome to you and the quiz. Who were Hawthorne playing the day that Clarko smashed his fist through the wall? One of the bigger Victorian teams. Um, was it Essendon? It was not Essendon, um, but it was a good guess. Let's go to Andrew in St. Clair. G'day, Andrew. G'day, Kane. How are you going? Question um, number three. Yeah, my guess. Chad's brother's quiz. Who was it? Uh, my guess is Geelong. It wasn't Geelong, but it would have been a good guess because of the rivalry between those two clubs. It wasn't. Uh, and that was Andrew. Let's go to Pete. Hi, Pete. Hi, Pete. Hey, Kane. Who were uh, Hawthorne playing? Yeah, they were playing Colin, and he's an angry man, Clarko. Question number four, Leon Cameron gave Chuka an almighty clip in the Amazon documentary Making Their Mark. Who is Chuka? Uh, Steve Coniglio. Uh, it's not Steve Coniglio, but it was a good guess. 
Aaron is on the line in Deer Park. Hi, Aaron. Uh, hi, Kane. Who is nicknamed Chooker from the GWS Giants? Um, uh, uh, can you give me a clue? Position? Uh, not yet. Have a, I said I said Stephen Canilio was a good guest to our... Yeah, um, it's not him. Chuka is, I'd say, Taranto. It's mm, another good guess, but it's not Tim Taranto. Ryan is on the line. Hi, Ryan. Did you watch the Amazon documentary? I didn't, but I know it's Josh Kelly. It is Josh Kelly. Well done, mate. You should watch it if you get a chance. I think you'll like it. Uh, question number five. For the win, there was a famous recording of Rocket E going nuts at his players and Will Minson. Who can be heard in this clip trying to calm him down? Have a listen. Rocket, rocket, rocket. We can't think. We can't think. Sorry, come on, come on, come on, come on. Who is that? Yeah, Leon Cameron. It is Leon Cameron. Ryan, you are the winner of Chad's Brothers Quiz. And he says, Rocket, he says, sorry, 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 sorry. And then about three seconds later, he's absolutely losing his mind again. They should make a documentary on coaches' boxes and the things that go on in there. Um, not pretty from time to time. Hey, mate, you've won an AFL fan emblem. AFL fan emblems declare your allegiance to your club that you love. Visit fanemblems.com. That was Chad's brother's quiz. And um, thank you to all of those who are playing. We've got time to take a call now if you want to. Lines are available right now if you can get involved quickly. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Ryan, I'll put you back to Benny. And he will sort you out. I had a lot of things that I didn't get through this morning. I so many. I oh, spent a good couple of hours putting the show together. I didn't even get to any of them. What I did see last week, it was on the back of Patrick Dangerfield getting suspended for three weeks after that accidental head clash with um, Kelly, Jake, Jake Kelly from the Crows was a clip on Facebook that went viral on Byron Pickett and the way that he played the game. It's six minutes of the best AFL highlights I think I've ever seen. Clearly, you're not going to get away with a lot of it now with his physicality, but more so than that, his absolute brilliance. And I thought to myself, which AFL player would have the best six minutes highlight reel? So if you land from outer space onto earth, you become an AFL football fan, but you've got no knowledge of the history and who's been a good player or not, and you can only see six minutes of the player's highlights, who would have the best? But a couple of nominations. And, and that doesn't mean they're the best player. I reckon Alan Jakovic, if you condensed his career to six minutes, if you came from outer space, you would think he was an absolute star, like a legend of the game. Jeff Farmer, the wizard, I reckon he's another one where, you know, good career, Jeff Farmer, but not not the best small forward we've ever seen, but his six-minute highlights reel would be unbelievable. Then you do get, of course, the greats. You know, Wayne Carey condensed his career to six minutes. It would be tough to do. Gary Ablett Senior is the same. And for me, I, I think the best six-minute highlight clip ever Tony Modra. I think if you could condense Modra's career to six minutes, it would be up there with the best we've ever seen. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Choppy Pickett's six minute highlight reel is unbelievable. Search it on Facebook. Trust me, it is worth it. And if you could condense one player's whole career into just six minutes and show someone who's a footy fan from outer space, if that makes sense, I know it makes none at all, who would have the best 
highlights reel. Have your say on that and get involved on 0433-981116. On the other side of this, we're going to speak to the fastest man in Australia. That would be a nice title, just walking around the streets. I am the fastest man in Australia right now. In fact, the third fastest in the world. He's an Aussie and he's punched his ticket to the Tokyo Olympics in the 100-metre marquee event. Rowan Browning is his name. And he's going to join us on the other side of this. You are listening to the Captain's Run with Kane Corns through until 12 o'clock. Get involved. Great start for Browning in the centre. Another one from Andy as well. Hale's going to have to do a lot to catch up. Here comes Browning. Greg's going well. Browning's pulling away from the field. It's going to be a big dip on the line. 10-0-8 on the clock. We've seen it drop down. 10-0-5. He did it. Olympic qualifier. 10-0-5. Unbelievable. Right up in the dot. Now he is by himself the third fastest Australian of all time. It goes Patrick Johnson 9.93, Matt Shervey to 10.03, and Rowan Browning 10-0-5. That is unbelievable. The marquee event at the Olympics is the 100-metre sprint, and our next guest is there. He ran an Olympic qualifying time, as you just heard, of 10.05 at the Brisbane Track Classic. His name is Rowan Browning. He joins us. Rowan, thanks for your time, mate. Massive congratulations. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. You're off to the Olympics. How does it feel? Well, it it feels good. I mean, there's no denying that. But, you know, I try not to overindulge. It was definitely an expectation that I set for myself at the start of the season. So it's just one step along the way, I suppose. Patrick Johnson ran 993.93. Matt Shervinson, 10.03 in 19.98. It's been a long time between drinks. You're now third at 10.05, the third fastest Aussie ever and the fastest on Australian soil and the third fastest in the world for 2021. Like, there's records going down left, right and centre. Does it give you big confidence that you perhaps could have a medal hanging around your neck at the end of the Olympics. Imagine that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that'd be that'd be just be fantastic. But, I mean, I think those superlatives are nice. They're going to lead for the here and now, but it's still early in the year in terms of the global season. So, you know, if I'm ranked third or fourth or whatever now in the world, that will, will drop as the guys around the world, mm. you know, start competing. Um, and, and, and it's harder for us now, obviously, with COVID to travel and, and access those global competitions. So, I mean, you know, 10.05 is a good starting point. If you're on that in the semi-final, you, you, could be in the, you could be in the final and you could be top eight in the world, but it's probably not enough to guarantee that. So, um, you know, I definitely have to keep improving. And, you know, I think as well, you, you, you see guys online who, you know, comment, oh, 10.05 isn't going to get you anywhere. But, I mean, the reality is your training is geared towards July, August, when the Olympics is not not to right now, you know that's when you repeat, and that's what we focus on. Yeah. So what? So what? How do you spend your time now? Like it, it feels close the Olympics, but probably in your mind it still feels ages away. I mean, what is next, and what does your training look like leading up to that? Well, I think the next two or three months will go by pretty quick. Um, it always it always sort of seems to work that way. Um, well, we got the national championships in, in mid-April coming up in a couple of weeks, and that'll be uh, that'll be a real focal point for the season to try and win a national title. And after that, there won't be a lot of competitions. Certainly, there won't be a lot of competitions that'll be easy for Australians to access because they'll all be in Europe and Japan. Um, I'll probably head up to the top end 
North Queensland where it's nice and sunny and warm and, and trying to get out of Sydney, you know, when, the, when, when winter comes in. It's got to be the goal to get under 10. As your coach said, that is possible if you can work on a few things that Hazy just explained. Only one Aussie has dipped under 10. Um, is that... I mean, is that the main focus? And, and are you confident you can get it? You're still a young man. Yeah, I am confident. I think it's a matter of time. I mean, in January this year, around 996, but it was wind assisted with mm. a 3.3 metre tailwind, which is illegal. So, you know, like I've, I've, I've done it before physically. Um, it's just a matter of doing it in legal conditions. So, you know, I am confident that I can do it. It's just like it's, it's hard to shave off 1% improvements in this sport. But in the scope of a career, i got a long time left to do it. I watched that race. Um, you had an interesting sort of white outfit on. With It's got almost like a, there's a tie in at the top of your singlet. What, what is that aligned <laughs> to? What athletics club wears it? Because I've seen it in long-distance runs as well. Yeah, that's the Sydney University Athletics Club. And I think it's the oldest, universe, the oldest athletics club in the country. And, uh, and the uniform is the all-white which, you know, some people can pull it off better than others. <laughs> no, well, you, you, you pulled it off. It, what can't be, isn't flattering for some, but it w- was fine for you. Did you look at the, the uh, uniforms for the Olympics, which were released, um, I think it was on Wednesday, and what did you make of the Aussie uniform for the Olympics? Yeah, well, you know, I sort of had my fingers crossed as I was loading the web page to see what it would all look like. And um, I, I loved it. I thought it was a, I think it's a great design. Uh, it, it's nice and classic. It's nice and simple. I love that Indigenous training shirt that they put together. I think that um, that's just such a nice touch that adds so much more meaning to the uniform. Yeah, well said. Hey, we've seen the development in long-distance shoes have a massive impact on the sport. Now, you're looking for small margins, as you said, and minor improvements. How's the shoe development? Who are you sponsored by? And are we seeing significant advances and leaps in that area? Yeah, well, I'm running with uh, with Adidas at the moment, and... Um, the spot, I mean, I haven't seen any of these sort of super spikes in, in the flesh because, um, well, they've been banned, so nobody's supposed to run with them. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, I guess I guess it's been working. But, um, yeah, supposedly they're, they're very effective, uh, especially at the, at the distance running level. Um, you know, I think it's interesting. It's just like one of those things, awkward question of how far do you advance technology yeah. and, you know, human performance, and then also how do you keep... How do you keep that technology accessible to everyone and keep the, the playing field level and fair? Mm. Any safety concerns for you? Like, do you give it a second thought heading over there with, with everything that's gone on or you, uh, you've put that past you and you're just keen to get there and run fast? No, I got total faith in the, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the Japanese hosts to put together a safe games, um, you know, and hopefully we can get vaccinated. I'm not sure what that position looks like right now, but hopefully mm. we can all get vaccinated, obviously, because we have to travel. We have no choice. Um, you know, and we'll come back, do our quarantine, and take a few weeks off, which will be nice. Well, mate, we haven't had an Aussie run the 100 metres at the Olympics for 17 years. It's an unbelievable achievement, the third fastest ever, fastest on Australian soil, and we appreciate you giving us your time this morning. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Well, that's just about it for us on this Good Friday, but stick around. Huge day of sport, particularly in the AFL, and AFL Nation has you covered for the big call. North Melbourne taking on the Bulldogs for Good Friday footy into the Crows and Gold Coast from Adelaide Oval tonight and right across the Easter weekend. Make sure you tune in. For now, have a great, safe, happy Easter, and I'll speak to you all again next Friday at 9 o'clock. 
G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.